0: I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, "I believe," but our belief has implications on the way we live our life. The rest of the week, we explore those implications together, right here on Outside the Walls. Well, we've got a great show for you today—really a really special show. I have the pleasure each and every week of, of sitting down with uh, an interesting person, uh, a person who communicates. Their passion and desire for the faith, and they do it in a way that uh, engages all of us and draws us into whatever their specific um, focus happens to be. And so I've had the opportunity to talk with really some fascinating people. But today, uh, today we're going to talk with my favorite guest. That's the person who I most enjoy talking to out of all the people that I've ever had on here, uh, and it's my darling wife. Now, I'm not just saying that. I really love sitting down and having a conversation with my wife. And, and today we're going to have it around a question of how we get our kids to heaven and what it looks like for, for families to grow in sanctity together. And, you know, I, I just I love sitting and talking with her because I don't feel like I have to do any prep work. A lot of the time when I talk with these guests, I'm reading a book or I'm trying to get into their head just a little bit so that I know precisely what kinds of questions to ask and and to help that conversation flow and to really uh, delve into their frame of mind. Uh, But as I bring my wife in and we sit down and we have a conversation, there is such a synergy that's already there that there's no prep work necessary. It's a very natural conversation. So I I look forward to bringing her in just after the break. But before we get there, I wanted to have a conversation just with you. This last week in the breviary, there was a uh, homily by St. Gregory the Great on the gospel where Christ says to his apostles, look around, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest. I think this is every church staff members' favorite verse in the Bible, because we recognize it very clearly as I work in a parish out in the Pacific Northwest, and it it stands out to us how much work there is to do and how, um, how much we need others to help us do it. You know, the programs have already started up for the year wherever you are. Uh, you've got your religious education programs, Bible studies, whatever else the case may be at your parish, probably started up in September or October. And uh, most of the time we think, all right, we're good. But the truth of the matter is there are still, every single day, there are things that need to be done. And yes, uh, there are other kinds of ministry that are outside the parish, and those also need assistance. Uh, But I, I encourage you to spend some time praying and discerning what is it that you can do at a parish level uh, to help bring in the harvest. Now, uh, I bring this up today as we're talking about families getting into heaven, because there's something very important here. And the reason that I want to encourage you to do it at your parish level is this. Uh, Our families are watching us. Our children are watching what our priorities are they're looking to see how they're going to order their life. And if you really pay attention uh, to yourself, look at the way that you order your life and ask yourself how much of your uh, perspective right now was formed when you were a child, how much of this was given to you, passed down by parents or coaches or teachers or someone else that was in your sphere of influence. And you have carried it with you for the entirety of your life. So as we're talking about what it takes to, uh, as a family, grow in sanctity and, and get our children to heaven and get ourselves and our spouses to heaven, this should, uh, should be part of that discussion. What kind of, uh, of priorities and example are we giving to our children about their place, not only in the world, but in the church Uh, We, in this uh, Western society, tend towards consumerism, right? We pick a church based on the programs that they have and whether or not those programs meet our needs. And yet the church is calling us to a different place, not to be consumers of ministry, but providers of ministry, not to be the ones who necessarily eat the harvest, but the ones who go out and bring in the harvest, Uh, that we are called to be the laborers, not necessarily or not solely, at least, the consumers. So I want to encourage you this week to take some time uh, and and spend some time in discernment and prayer, asking God in what way he wants you to be involved in the harvest. What corner of the field uh, are you called to be a part of? And I want to encourage you and assure you that there is a place, there is a task and a thing that God is wanting you to participate in. There is something within the, the, the bounds of uh, the life of the parish, the life of the church that God has specifically gifted you for. In fact, the scripture talks about the gifts of the spirit. Uh, and we've talked about this before with the charisms, as we talked uh, with the Catherine of Siena Institute. Uh, but, in the scripture, it says that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as the body has need. You are a part of a, a body, a parish body. That parish body has spiritual needs that you have been equipped to help and to work in, to work in the harvest. As a disciple, as a person who has been redeemed by Christ, who has been brought back into uh, relationship with God the Father, reconciled. To God the Father. You have a task and a purpose, and it doesn't just affect you, and it doesn't just affect uh, the people whom you serve. It also affects your family. It affects your family because our children are always watching, and they're learning from us their priorities. They're learning from us the things that they will carry through the rest of their life, and this by being faithful in ministry, this witness to our children is one of the key ways that we will help get them to heaven and help them grow in sanctity. So this week, spend some time discerning what is that thing? What corner of the field are you called to work? And then call your parish and volunteer. When we come back, we're going to be talking with my darling bride about families growing in sanctity together. Join the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Boy, do we have a show for you today. We're talking about sanctity and its, uh, its habit of running in families. It's in some ways hereditary. Uh, this is brought on, of course, uh, for a number of reasons, but specifically the thing that popped across my newsfeed that I just had to jump on is that the Diocese of Krakow uh, has opened the case of canonization for the parents of St. Pope John Paul II. Uh, and it reminds me of um, of the Martin family, uh, which, of course, you've got Louis and Zélie Martin, who um, uh, they were canonized together, first husband and wife that were canonized at the same time. Uh, and you've also got uh, their children, St. Therese of Lisieux, and several of her sisters who have been canonized. And you, you kind of look at the... Um, the history of canonized saints, and you see these waves of uh, of people not entering into heaven uh, as as canonized saints, not entering into heaven on their own, but bringing a whole troop of people along with them. Uh, and so, I'm I'm just all thinking about uh, this process of canonization, with Saint John Henry Newman's canonization happening tomorrow in Rome. Uh, We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We had Bud Marr on. If you missed that episode, you can find it over at OutsideTheWalls.com. But, uh, you know, my goal, and all of our goal as Catholics, is to be saints. Now, you and I, we may never be canonized saints. We might not end up uh, with our own feast day celebrated by the whole church, but hopefully we have one that's celebrated by our family. Uh, We've got All Souls Day, which is coming up, All Saints Day. These are the days that we celebrate uh, those who we love, who have gone before us, who either uh, are have received the beatific vision or in heaven, it's All Saints Day, or who have died in the friendship of God but still need purification, that's All Souls Day. Uh, and so we have these days that are coming up, uh, We and so it's got me thinking a lot about how we live and how we are hopefully not only seeking sanctity ourselves, but raising saints, uh, in the process, and so uh, today I I have two guests on the show. You're only going to hear one, hopefully, uh, because my wife is sitting here across from me. Uh, Kristen, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, love. I'm glad to be here.
0: And then down at my feet, yes, I know I'm not. It, <laughs> it sounds awful, but down on my feet in a little bouncy chair with her eyes just slowly closing, and we're trying to get her to go to sleep, and she's not having it. Is our, our newest uh, child, our eighth child together. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, for the purposes of our show today, we'll call her Perpetua. That's one of her. one of her plethora of names. <laughs> and uh, so far she looks pretty content, so we'll see. we'll see if we make it through the show without a peep. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about this idea of uh, taking our family into heaven with us of going kind of like a little entourage <laughs> arm and arm linked up to the, uh, the, the judgment seat. And as parents being able to offer as our gift to, uh, to Christ, these children that we've raised, mm-hmm. uh, something that we used to do together, Kristen is, uh, doing marriage preparation for young engaged couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I don't, I don't feel like we were too far past them, but now I look back at it and gosh, they were young. They didn't get any of my, uh, my movie references.
1: I don't get a part of your movie references uh, either. <laughs> <laughs> so I but, love you. <laughs> but.
0: but one of the things that we, we often said is that, um, if you want a different result than, uh, than the norm, you have mm. to put in different ingredients and we can look around and we can see that society is not necessarily producing a plethora of holiness and a plethora of of saints in our day and age. And we, we can look at that and say, if I want, uh, if I want my end result is that I get myself to heaven, I get my spouse to heaven, you get me to heaven, you have a harder job than I do. Uh, and, and that we get our, our children to heaven as well. We have to be really intentional about what are the things that we do, uh, that will get us there. Mm-hmm. And so family prayer is a big thing. Uh, and we we have this regimen that we do some days better than others.
1: <laughs> yes, that's true.
0: Of uh, of praying the rosary in the morning, mm-hmm. um, praying the Angelus at noon on the days that all the kids are home, uh, praying Compline at night, and just having that be our little family office. Uh, but this is only part of it, right? The, this, this idea of the... Th- the intentional things that we put in front of them. Uh, this is important and it's essential, but it's not all of it because you could eat. Let's go use the diet metaphor. You could uh, eat a really balanced meal, but if in between those meals you gorge yourself on junk food, then all of the, all of the effort that you've taken into crafting that su- supremely healthy meal is is wasted. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit today about some of the things that we do um, to maybe curate their spiritual diet. The rest of the time, right? We're giving them those big things, but what are some of the other practices uh, in the in between those meals that you, as a mom, do? You you get to spend a little bit more time with them than I do because I'm I go off to work, right? Uh, and then. Uh, from there, later, later in the show, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how we help them discern what gift it is that they have to give to the world uh, it, and what their vocation might be. But let's start before we get there, just with the basics. Okay. Um, what do we do? And I, I'm asking this rhetorically. I kind of know, but maybe I'll learn something today. <laughs> what do we do with our children not only to give them a, a healthy spiritual diet of prayer, but to help avoid some of the cultural junk food that could make its way into their life.
1: Okay, so, well, you know, as a family, I think some of it is what we allow them to to watch on TV if they watch TV on any given day. Um, cultivating the virtues with behaviors throughout the day I think is a good one you know not only saying no we don't hit or no we don't bite or whatever but
0: (laughs) but to be clear that's for the like the two-year-old that we're
1: talking (laughs) yes that's the little ones um (laughs) but to to phrase those into the what we do Mm -hmm. instead we use self-control we use kindness we use um gentleness and trying to emphasize those things, even just in the wording of how we try and help them to behave throughout the day and treat one another. Well, let's talk about the
0: importance of words uh, in that regard because of um, a form of education that, that you're really connected to and the idea of, of hooking on to concepts mm-hmm. that maybe as we're talking to the two year old, they don't really understand uh, virtue. Right. right. But we still use those terms because uh, what what's the end result?
1: Well, at some point they're going to get it. I mean, we, we don't know when that switch is flipped mm-hmm. exactly. And so using that verbiage and using those things, they will grow into that mm-hmm. whenever they are able to grow into that as opposed to waiting till we, under, we know they understand to just have them. It's always been that way.
0: Uh, I remember this time, and I, of course, I grew up not Catholic, uh, but I remember this time before the communion service at my Protestant church, and there's this prayer that they prayed that's very similar uh, to, for us, um, when we say, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Uh, and there's this this prayer of contrition that says, Lord, we failed to be an obedient church. We've not done your will. We've broken your law. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves." And I remember the day that I got that. And I went to my parents, I'm like, why are we praying this all the time and we don't understand what it means because it means something important, right? <laughs> and my mom's like, you know, some of us have really already understood that that was important, but we're glad that you came along.
1: <laughs> but there's you the sense, Good job. <laughs> but
0: there is the sense that if we don't uh, engage with those things ahead of time, um, mm-hmm. then, then we miss the opportunity to really have that aha moment.
1: Right. right. And it could be not only missing that aha moment, but having that aha moment co-opted by something else that grabs their attention first that could make that aha moment much later in their life or mm-hmm. less potent. Yeah.
0: So we do that. We, we give the language of virtue. What are some of the other things that, that we do in our family to, um, to avoid the junk food?
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm
0: thinking specifically of of scheduling.
1: Sure. Yeah. So we don't do a lot of scheduling. (laughs) Um, We, with eight children, just practically speaking, you can't do extracurriculars. It just, or we can do very few of them. We've told the olders that they may have one thing. Mm -hmm that they can do. And so as a result, you know, we're not running around all the time going to this practice and going to that practice and, and filling up the day with really what ends up being a lot of car rides in between things. We, the day is very open. We have our basic schedule, you know, that we kind of go and flow in and in the school year, you know, of course that's very centered around the school day as well. But, but in that free time, the kids get to have that free time. And they're not overscheduled. And so we're not, um, I know those things can be so distracting, I think. Mm -hmm. And you you see these things that say, you know, let children be bored, that that's okay. And that's a good thing because out of that boredom comes the creativity. Out of that boredom comes how they can sit in the silence for a little bit if they can find any silence in the the (laughs) corner of their room. Um, But, you know, to be able to sit and contemplate those things and to think about those things. And, you know, one of our daughters, she likes to spend her free time. A lot of the time she will beg to go and sit in the chapel at church. Can I please stay after school and go to the church for two hours until Daddy's off work and he can bring me home.
0: And And, that time she's like, I'm going to pray like five rosaries (laughs) and spend time in adoration and...
1: This, right. this She's is, amazing.
0: This is the child that's going to get the rest of us to heaven, I think. <laughs> <going to> <laughs> she might be.
1: But, you know, you have then the time to appreciate those things, to think even to go to the chapel. And not only to think to go, but to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not you're running off to this practice or we have to go over here or we have to do this or that.
0: When there's this idea that, oh, well, you have to give your children all of these experiences or how will they know what they're going to like? And I look at this as a dad, and I know my sports prowess, (laughs) which is not much. And I look at this and say, my children, uh, they're never going to be professional athletes. Probably not. So they might have an enjoyment of the game, and I'm okay with giving them that experience. But the idea of we're going to invest in this because it might be your thing, it's never going to be their thing. What, What could be their thing, right? What are the things that could bring them lifelong joy. Uh and and so we hang back. Uh, a lot of even our sports things that we do with the kids, they're centered around the church, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're on church leagues and they uh we're trying to give them this uh this anchor that the church can be the center of their lives both in worship and in contemplation and in play.
1: Mm-hmm well, yeah, and, you know, I mean, we've got the—our lives, because of your job, we do—we're at the church all the time, mm-hmm. um, and and so we live our lives that way as adults, and so that just brings them right along with us into that, that we're always there, and enjoying that time and making friends there and building our lives around the faith.
0: We're talking today with my darling bride— about getting our kids to heaven, getting our family to heaven together. When we come back, we're going to talk about how we help our kids discern their path in life. Join the ongoing conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Oh, we're having fun today. It's actually, um, you're hearing it today, but it's tonight because I'm speaking with my darling bride. Hello. And this is the only time when the kids are in bed that I could ever get you on air. Right. (laughs) Because we have eight children. Yes, we do. And one of them is laying down here at my feet. Oh, she's actually got a smile now. That's her... Oh, oh, she's smiling. (laughs) She is one month old and I've got her in a bouncer because she would not go to sleep. She's just sitting there fussing upstairs because she's all alone in a big room. So we've got her down here and so far, so good. Uh, She's not gone into any outbursts. She's pretty chill overall which is really Mm -hmm. kind of a relief uh, for the eighth.
1: Yes. (laughs) She's a very easy baby. Thank goodness.
0: It's nice. Uh, We're talking about um, sanctity and this this phenomenon of families getting to heaven together. And, you know, I'm thinking specifically of um, the Martin family, uh, Zelie and Louis Martin and, and their daughters, prime among them that everyone knows, St. Therese of Lessew. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, the, the Diocese of Krakow has recently opened the cause for canonization for the parents of St. Pope John Paul II. Uh, and I'm just looking at this, you know, saint Humblein and saint bernard of clairvaux saint uh saint benedict and scholastica. scholastica you've got these uh these family connections where um sanctity doesn't grow in a bubble right mm-hmm. now certainly families are not the only place maybe you come from a family you're like well then what what hope do i have because oh. <laughs> uh you know you've you've got you have your patron saints as well you've got uh saint francis of assisi you just cling to him but um <laughs> While it's not the only way that a person can grow in sanctity, families can be really powerful incubators for that uh, if and so I think that really in in some ways it's uh it's incumbent upon us as a family to say what are the things that I can do to order my household in such a way that uh, that we grow in sanctity together and part of that is really taking the moment uh to discern what the will of God is for you individually and for your family and to offer that, that Mary fiat, let it be done to me according to your will. And we pray this all the time in the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and so I think sometimes we don't take that and appropriate it to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. Right. We think of it in these grand um, a dynastic uh, schemes like for, for kingdoms and powers and, and nations and the whole world. But you know, you start meddling when you start talking about <laughs> in my individual circumstance. And so, but this is our prayer. And I think we just have to take the time to discern what that looks like in the nitty gritty and the, in the everyday uh, things of our life. So for us that looked like um, realizing that we didn't have a really good prayer routine right? We had some really strong prayer practices that we did, but they kind of phased in and out over the course of, of the year. And so to sit down and say, what is it that we want to be like a family value, kind of the, the, the rule of St. Benedict, except the rule of our household. Mm -hmm. And so we created some of those things. Uh, and we've done that with varying success, uh, the, it's the, not
1: perfect by any means we're always we're working on it. Yeah.
0: Um, but I want to talk a little bit, um, beyond that about helping our children not only get into these rhythms of life, but to begin discerning what God's will is for them individually. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and you talked earlier about, we don't overschedule them. Um, and, and in some ways we don't really even schedule them. We underschedule them. Uh, Because one, I have this idea that I turned out okay. And so I kind of want to raise my kids in a 1980s world, (laughs) right? Uh, Yeah, there's some electronics, but it's not Mm all-consuming. Yeah, there's some activities, there's some uh, sports, but it's kind of like rec league level, right? YMCA. It's for the fun of it. (laughs) It's for the fun of it. Uh, and, And so we really consciously do that. But then we also um, intentionally put our children in places where they could discern what God might be talking to them about. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about what kinds of things we do to help them, even now at this young age, Mm -hmm. begin discerning.
1: Right. Well, I think one of the most important things that we've done is just to even open the conversation of discernment, of what is your vocation, and letting them know that we are completely and wonderfully supportive and okay with, and would love it if every single one of them became a priest or a sister or a brother. Um, that if that is what they're called to, then absolutely. That is great. And then also, you know, it's like marriage is one of those ones that we do talk about, but I think that we elevate the others more simply because marriage seems kind of like the default that a lot of people go to. One, marriage is,
0: is kind of a culturally accepted, although be, becoming less so these days. Right. But it is a culturally accepted default.
1: Like, that's just what you're going to do someday.
0: But at the same time, it's also the one that's most visible to them.
1: True. They and see it
0: You You us. see it all the time, not only with your parents, but with the people that we are around at church. They get to see the vocation of marriage on, on the regular.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and so we elevate the other, not because we necessarily want to push them into those right but but because we want them to see that they are valuable as vocations
1: yeah that's right and so um so some of it is just in in talking about those things but then also you know when when we see priests and we see sisters and we see um brothers there can be this kind of like divide between like oh they're the really holy ones and they're over there and we're over here and you know it kind of can create that um oh I could never be that because I'm not perfect I'm not like that and so what we have really tried to do is to cultivate relationships and anytime we see someone in a habit <laughs> or anytime we have priests around at the house to have dinner with us to get to know them just so that the kids can be around these vocations so they know that these are people that are real people that are approachable, that are friendly, <laughs> that are someone that they could be. You know, mm-hmm. how could they discern something that they don't see? And so we really try and put those vocations in front of them and bring them into our lives in our home. Um and anytime we see them out and about to go up and say hello. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I came across this quote um that is attributed to G. K. Chesterton. Uh, I, I know that because I found it on Twitter. Right. <laughs> I did. I did do some some research, and it is. It does appear to be an authentic quote, but I don't have the the exact location. But this kind of sums it up to me. Um, he said, "Everyone on this earth should believe, amid whatever madness or moral failure, that your life and temperament have some object on earth. Believe that you have something to give the world which cannot otherwise be given." And, and I love that because it. it it puts it in a place of saying you have a specific gift with a specific purpose, uh, that is meant to enrich the world. Mm -hmm. And, and if you don't give that, it won't be given. It's not like someone else is going to come up in the wings and and take over. it. We're not interchangeable parts to a machine, but God has given us a specific gift that he wants us then to pass on to the world. And so even as we talk about religious orders and religious life, we talk some about the charisms. What, mm-hmm. is, what is the thing that through the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes on you in baptism and is then completed and fulfilled in confirmation, uh, through that fiat, let it be done to me according to your will, and the Holy Spirit overshadows us and gives us that gift. What is that gift that we are meant to give to the world? And we have to not only discern, hey, what's my vocation, but what's that specific thing that God wants to offer and enrich the world through me.
1: So one of our sons, um, for gosh, a couple of years now, um, has been, he loves creating things and he loves doing art and and whatnot. And he has come up with this idea of what he wants to be when he grows up. And he says that he wants to be a monk priest who makes stained glass windows. (laughs) And so not only thinking toward vocation of being both a monk and being a priest within that order. But then there's something that he can do that he, he already enjoys doing. He he thinks about it and wants to, you know, put those things together and has actually made a stained glass window. Thanks Mm -hmm. to some awesome neighbors that we had. Deacon Um, Kevin
0: Sartorius, I'm looking at you.
1: (laughs) That's right. Thank you very much for that gift. It's wonderful. Um, And so, you know, he's in elementary school who knows if this is who he is actually going to become. But at the same time, he's thinking that way and he's, he's cultivating those ideas of what would it be like? And, you know, some of the ways that we've helped him to even continue to think about that. What it would, what would it be like to be a monk? Um, we've taken him to several, well, I guess to, to at least two, um, abbeys that have different orders. And, um, and most recently got to go to one that was absolutely beautiful. We all went up to Canada um, as a family and went to a monastery up there and getting to actually interact with some of the monks and with Father Abbott and talking about what is life like there, more specifically than you're just making stained glass windows, which is what could be a portion of the life. But what is it like to to live here? What is it like? What do we do on the property of the monastery? What do we... How do we spend our time? And he got to see some of those things and really kind of start to fill in those pieces, which I think is also very important again to realize that these are real people that have real days that they still have to wash the dishes and they still have to, you know, they have work days where they're out on the farm and they're. Oh, man, but you he know. was so
0: excited about that wa- the dishwasher.
1: Right? It was right? a really cool dishwasher. <laughs> I was excited about that dishwasher. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it would fit. It would take In, up our entire kitchen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, th- this goes back to this idea of uh, culture would say, oh, well, we have to expose our children to all of these different activities
1: mm-hmm. so
0: that they can figure out what it is that they like. And our goal, I think, is to expose them to different ways of being
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to see which way of being fits their life they're exposed to family life all the time just by virtue of being in our home Uh, but to expose them to the monastery we we while we were there we also visited a a poor claire Mm -hmm. enclosure and did uh vespers with them and so that the kids could see you know here's what it looks like to be in a a dominican convent versus a poor claire convent versus whatever else is out there so that they can see that there are ways of being uh Mm -hmm whether it be marriage or religious life or something else that, uh, that I think last a little bit longer than, than the activity.
1: Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, what really is the goal? I mean, we mm-hmm. do want to have well-rounded children. We want them to grow up to be well-rounded adults, but the ultimate goal is to get them to heaven. Yeah. And what things are actually going to cultivate that? What is going to help them along that journey? You know, playing football, great. Nothing wrong with it. But these things are the things that really are going to launch them into what really matters in life.
0: And what really matters in life is realizing that this life is not the end. There's much more to it. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to do a reading from St. Teresa of Avila and from Scripture. It's going to be well worth your time. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Tia. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. And today I had the great pleasure of talking with my wife, my bride, uh, Kristen Putnam, as we talked about getting our families to heaven together, growing in sanctity together and some of the things that we do in our household, uh, inspired by the lives of the saints who have gone before us. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with your friends, have no fear. All of our shows are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. I continued my conversation with her on air. We record, I mean, my conversation with her is ongoing, but we have an extra segment, some recorded part of that conversation available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. And you're invited to be a part of that community. Uh, We, in gratitude for their help keeping us on the air, we give a couple of extra questions uh, with the week's guest. And so for as little as $5 a month, you can get weekly extra segments, Uh, And depending on the level that you give at you, there are other perks that go along with that. So while you're there on the website, OutsideTheWalls.com, up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see the link that says support the show hyphen Patreon. And I encourage you to go over, take a look at that and look through the various offerings that we have there. See if that might be something that you want to participate in. Well, without further ado, let's turn our attention now to our readings from Scripture and church history. And we're talking about uh, growing in sanctity as a family. I talked in the first segment about taking the time to ask, uh, what is it that you want me doing, God, uh, in the church? How do you want me to be one of the laborers in the field uh, helping bring in the harvest? And so today, what I want to talk about in this segment in Scripture and our reading from church history is... Uh, What has to drive our action? Because it's really easy just to say, okay, here are the tasks that need to be done and somebody's got to do them, so I'll go do them and I'll fill them. And really, that's a recipe for burnout. It's only when these tasks that we do are in response, in loving response to the relationship that we have with God the Father, uh, that we find energy and joy in doing these things. And so we're going to start off in the Gospel of Luke As Jesus says to his disciples, suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up and give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. And what I take from that today is that relationship matters that God will give us the things that we need to do the things that he wants us to do. So as we mentioned earlier, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the field, and yet all good and perfect gifts come from God. The things that he's asking us to do, he's not going to leave us ill-equipped to do, but he's willing and waiting to give us the Holy Spirit and the measure that we need And in our reading from Church History Today, St. Teresa of Avila expounds on the necessity of this relationship even further as she talks about how the work that we do, that that laboring for the harvest, uh, how it is empowered by relationship with Christ. She says, If Jesus Christ dwells in a man as his friend and noble leader, that man can endure all things, for Christ helps and strengthens us and never abandons us. He is a true friend. And I clearly see that if we expect to please him and receive an abundance of his graces, God desires that these graces must come to us from the hands of Christ through his most sacred humanity in which God takes delight. Many, many times I have perceived this through experience. The Lord has told it to me. I have definitely seen that we must enter by this gate if we wish his sovereign majesty to reveal to us great and hidden mysteries. A person should desire no other path. Even if he is at the summit of contemplation on this road, he walks safely." All blessings come to us through our Lord. He will teach us, for in beholding his life, we find that he is the best example. What more do we desire from such a good friend at our side? Unlike our friends in the world, he will never abandon us when we are troubled or distressed. Blessed is the one who truly loves him and always keeps him near. Let us consider the glorious St. Paul. It seems that no other name fell from his lips than that of Jesus, because the name of Jesus was fixed and embedded in his heart. Once I had come to understand this truth, I carefully considered the lives of some of the saints, the great contemplatives, and found that they took no other path. Francis, Anthony of Padua, Bernard, Catherine of Siena, a person must walk along this path in freedom, placing himself in God's hands. If God should desire to raise us to the position of one who is an intimate and shares his secrets, we ought to accept this gladly. Whenever we think of Christ, we should recall the love that led him to bestow on us so many graces and favors, and also the great love God showed in giving us in Christ a pledge Of His love, for love calls for love in return. Let us strive to keep this always before our eyes and to rouse ourselves to love Him. For if at some time the Lord should grant us the grace of impressing His love on our hearts, all will become easy for us, and we shall accomplish great things quickly and without effort. That reading comes from St. Teresa of Avila. And I read that today because there's been a lot of conversation about what's required of us, uh, the kinds of things that we should be doing with our families and with our children. And it can seem a little bit overwhelming uh, talking at the beginning of the show about getting involved in parish life and parish ministry and in service. And if we look at our calendars and say, where am I going to fit all this in? How am I going to participate more in the life of faith when my calendar is already so packed? How can I go and do volunteer hours at the church and create a, any kind any kind of a schedule of prayer with my family, much less uh, to create opportunities for them to, to grow in faith? I mean, we, if we look at this, it can be quite overwhelming. And if we do it just because, oh, it's the right thing to do or it's a good thing to do, uh, and we don't do it out of, connection to Christ and relationship to Christ, then we're going to feel like we're spinning our wheels. We're not going to see the results that we want, and we're just going to end up burned out. But Jesus said to his disciples, come and follow me. All you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Right? And so this is not meant to be a burdensome thing, for us to have families that grow together in faith. It, it could be challenging, most certainly, but if we're experiencing it as a burden, then we need to plug into the source. We need to find a way to connect in prayer with God the Father. And take some time alone, not with the kids, just you. Take some time, maybe go to adoration. Uh, maybe take some time in silence uh, and I know that as we look at our calendars, we don't see any time that we have uh, to be still and to be quiet. It's the kind of thing that you really have to carve out. But if you start in silence and listening for the voice of God and we connect with him and we find that, that um, statement from Christ to us, that statement of love, that is what empowers everything else all of a sudden we, we have the desire for these things because it's coming out of relationship and out of um, connection with who Christ is and who he's made us to be, right? It's in that place of relationship, as St. Teresa of Avila has said, that all of these things all of a sudden are not burdensome at all, but they come easy and without effort. Uh, In closing today, I think what I want to leave you with is this. Uh, You shouldn't hear this show and feel overwhelmed. You shouldn't hear the things that we've talked about today and feel burdened and think, I can never do that. I can never get there. Because the truth of the matter is, the only way that any of us get there is through an intimate relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And if that seems unfamiliar or out of reach, and you just want to maybe talk through it a little bit. Come find me on social media. My Facebook is facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. And I would love to have that conversation with you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by Carrie Carlson and all those who support the show through Patreon. Why don't you consider this week joining their numbers? Go over to outside the walls.com. Click that Patreon link up in the top right hand corner. Join the ongoing conversation at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you
1: peace.